So to start off the fast lane, we get to utter those three words you so rarely hear in any form of media, including sports media. I was wrong. And there's no caveat. There's no hidden commentary behind it. Key word is I. Yes. Because Trey was not. We're referring to ourselves in the third person now, are we? Well, I'm I'm acting as you in this circumstance. Okay. Trey was not wrong, but go. I was about Liberty University. By the way, I'll, I will say this, and I got a text from our guy, Oliver Hodgkinson of collegefootballnetwork.com this morning. He, too, was wrong as well, because you can go to Fast Lane Ed Lane since we keep receipts. And guess what? We keep receipts. Darn right we do. Fast Lane Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts. I thought Liberty was in a trap last night. Short week, road game, really good coaching staff on the other side, a very well-assembled roster. Whoops. And no, I'm not just talking about the fact that for Jacksonville State, they had a quarterback injury in the early going of the game. It's more the fact that for Liberty, they did a lot of what they needed to, but most notably, Caden Salter looked out of sorts in the first half. He had an interception. He had a couple of scramble plays where he kept going backwards and ended up taking huge negative yardage plays where you're just left going, okay, that's not exactly what you needed to be doing as a quarterback. I understand scrambling, making plays, the talents there, but there are certainly things that you can nitpick about that in the first half last night. And yes, Liberty trailed for a chunk of that, 10-7. to So it's not out of sorts, the idea that Liberty struggled at points last night. But boy, when this team needed to flex, Liberty flexed on them haters. And maybe we fit that description here in the fast lane. Because, excuse me, not 10-3, Liberty trailed 7-3. But Liberty trailed 7-3, and then they went to Quentin Cooley. And they went to Quentin Cooley, and they went to Quentin Cooley some more. And Quentin Cooley summed it up perfectly after the game that A lot of it was just the fact that this coaching staff for Liberty did something that a lot of coaching staffs are afraid to do. Ditch the elaborate offensive schemes you have. The just let them be brilliant, let's never question what they're doing offensive schemes. Can you tell I'm poking fun at the whole uh, analytics community in a certain sense where we just, and I'm all for analytics, but we just take it with no grains of salt. It's just strictly by the numbers. Or... The idea that this guy's such a genius play caller. Um, hello, Dr. Bob. Maybe you need to think about other things to your game as well. Liberty did. They found out what was working, and they went back to it again and again and again. And most notably, the soon-to-be-mentioned Quentin Cooley, who had 26 carries for 156 yards. Dominant performance for him on the ground. Just leading the way, excuse me, 28 carries for 164 for Liberty. Either way, a phenomenal night. Averaged almost six yards per tote. And he was effective enough that Liberty got great production out of Billy Lucas and Aaron Bedgood. I'll take out Caden Salter because while his scrambling is an asset for this team, you're talking about Bedgood and Lucas, who combined for 14 carries on their own, which is a solid number and a very respectable 55 yards a carry. Nothing flashy, but enough to complement what Quentin Cooley brought to the Liberty Flames. And the coaching staff for Liberty, they deserve a lot of credit because as Quentin Cooley noted after the victory against Jacksonville State, they did not ditch 
what was working effectively? They're saying, like, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Honestly, so just keep going and keep going. We know they play at a fast pace, but, like, we also can play at a fast pace. If you can't stop, like, you got you to gotta be able to stop us in a certain ways. When we play our game, we're going to be great. We can't put, let them, we can't play their game. We got to play our game. Play our game. And, yes, they'll unleash it at times with Caden Salter. 21 pass attempts. He had a number of other dropbacks, some of which were sacks. Two, in fact, official sacks, but he was pressured a couple of more times. So we'll just say, you know, 23 to 25 dropback attempts. It's a fairly substantial amount of passing attempts for a team that was in the lead. But once it became obvious they were running the ball, they could keep a team like Jacksonville State off the field. And, Trey, you'll remember this as well from just a couple days ago. But similar to what the Philadelphia Eagles did in that victory against the Rams on Sunday afternoon on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. You're home for the NFL. By the way, Thursday Night Football tomorrow night after Tech Talk Live, which starts at 7 p.m. Uh, and, of course, an NFL quadruple header this coming Sunday at 9.30 a.m. But uh, for Liberty, what they did was they kept going to what worked, and it allowed them to maintain not only the lead, but control of the game as well. And, of course, it's easy to stay in control, as Jimmy Chowell noted, when you just keep Jacksonville State off the field. We came out and... Uh you know, had a plan, and they, they changed up a little bit on us there the first couple drives, and, and we didn't maybe execute the way we wanted to. I think, you know, maybe we we're too excited, too nervous. Maybe I didn't do a good enough job to get us emotionally ready. But uh, by that third drive, we started figuring out what we wanted to do. The first half was a little ugly there, but, I, I mean, in the second half, I think we finished about every drive with some type of touchdown or whatever we needed to do. So um, I thought we really made some good adjustments when we needed to, and our, our goal was to try to keep them off the field. I don't know what time of possession ended up. Our stat guy didn't give me a stat yet, but, uh, but it was nice. Oh, it was for Liberty. Listen to these numbers here. We'll get nerdy for a second here in the fast lane. Yes, we'll get into the weeds because it, it tells a, a complete story about how Liberty got the victory against Jacksonville State last night and dominated as the game went on. They established the run early. 10.42, time of possession. 10 minutes, 42 seconds of the 15 minutes in the first quarter. For Liberty, in the second half of the game, they held the ball for over 20 of the possible 30 minutes that you could possess the ball in the second half, which, of course, means for the game, Liberty had 37 minutes and 43 seconds time of possession. Jacksonville State, 22 minutes and 17 seconds. That's 15-plus more minutes that the Liberty offense was on the field that their offensive line was road grading Jacksonville State, that they were able to use the bowling ball of Quentin Cooley, who's not necessarily the most physically imposing player when you look at running backs, but boy, these type of running backs like Quentin Cooley, your 5'8", 210-pound guys, think about that. 5'8", 210 is the same type of mass that you would find in a very serviceable running back at 5'10", 5'11", 210, but it's more compact. Over the course of the game, that just wears a team out. And it got to the point where in the fourth quarter, Liberty's driving to ice the game away. They get a touchdown at the end to take it from 24-13 to a three-possession game, 31-13. 18-point margin, which is what the final would end up being. But they trusted it so much that Jamie Chabwell said after the game, he didn't even envision a scenario where Liberty was going to kick a field goal late. Now, yes, part of that's because they've had some unreliable field goal kicking, but part of it also is the fact that Liberty was able to, again, 37 to 22, 15-plus minute time of possession edge, including 20 to 10 in the second half, 
absolutely control Jacksonville State on the ground. Yeah, no, I wouldn't kick a field goal. We're going to win the game. <laughs> like, hey, hey, we're playing to win. Yeah. And, you know, I kicked the field goal. We go up two touchdowns and still got a chance. They block it. We're playing to win. And, and I trust two things. I trust our O-line. I trust us to get the push. But also I trust our defense to make a play when they need to. And um, But the thing that I loved about Quentin, he got stronger as the game went. I mean, he, those tackles that were three yards, four yards there in the second half, started getting six, seven, eight. And um, proud of him. It sounds so vanilla for Jamie Chabal to say that Quentin Cooley got stronger as the game went on. But look, you get these offensive coaches. And Ian McCall has said often that he values coaches with an offensive acumen. And you get a lot of them where they're so infatuated with their play calling, with their designs, with the route concepts. <clears throat> Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. Where you just forget that sometimes the basic tenet is you're bigger up front than the other team. Again, I'll use the NFL as an example because... Philadelphia, Trey's and my team, is an example of an organization. Like, philosophically, they would love to throw the football. Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, believes so ordinarily in the quarterback being able to pass the ball. That's one of the reasons why that Andy Reid appealed to them when they hired Reid in 1999. And this does circle back to Liberty, so ride this out for a second. But over the course of the last couple of years, whether it was the year they won the Super Bowl, last year and this year as well, They have a quarterback, similar to Liberty with Caden Salter, who can make plays throwing the ball. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is more progressed as a passer than Caden Salter, even relative to their competition. Salter relative to college, Hurts relative to the NFL. Just comparing them flat out relative to where they are. Hurts is is, is obviously more developed than Salter is. But you have an organization that understands that the quarterback's best friend This is not Tom Brady dropping back and throwing 30 to 40 times a game or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. That's not how their offense is designed. They benefit so much from the running game and letting the running game set up not just the play action pass, but the read pass option, a mobile quarterback. They use it as necessary, but they're not too proud to stick with the running game when it matters most. And yes, that sounds like a definitive comment. And who knows, maybe that changes over time. If you get Jamie Chabwell trying to prove that he can coach at a different level and he wants to make himself appealing to a Power 5 job, you know, in due time, this stuff is going to happen anyway. And he'll have offers and opportunities. Because right now, Liberty, I mean, the way they won last night is, is announcing themselves that, you know, if this is what they're doing in year one before they get their pieces in place and with a 50% roster turnover and all the departures on defense, there's a, a real bright future for Liberty and Conference USA. But in five of the six games... The Flames have run for over 200 yards. It's pretty good. It is, Trey. Trey, this is the second time they've had a game where they've had at least one quarter where they've held the ball for over 10 minutes. New Mexico State was the other one where they held it for over 11 minutes to three in the third quarter with that nine-plus-minute opening drive for Liberty in the victory against the uh, New Mexico State Aggies. Those are just those two games. When you run for 200-plus yards regularly and you have a coaching staff that's not too stubborn to do that and stick with the plan tray, that's how you get a result like last night, which emphatically proved that my thought that Liberty was walking into a trap, that it was a short week, that issues could pop up, particularly with fatigue. The easiest way to squelch all that is to realize you can run the football, realize you have a size advantage in the trenches. By the way, we're getting some feedback on this, and we'll get to this around 540 today. We appreciate it. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts. Uh, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, of course, to connect with us. But that's what Liberty showed last night is they, they, they kept it simple. 
They have an advantage in the trenches. They were willing to play bully ball. And the easiest thing when you're coming off of a short week is when you have that type of an advantage, don't make it more complex. Don't leave things to chance. Go in there, get the victory, and get out of there. And that's a lot of credit goes to Liberty for how they executed that last night. Yeah, Quentin Cooley. It was funny on the broadcast. They were saying uh, like Logan Smothers was the backup quarterback, but Logan Smothers, like they played two quarterback system. They even went to the third quarterback at one point. Um, but Quentin Cooley ran for 163 yards before that game. Jacksonville State and allowed a 100 yard rusher. Like what Jacksonville State wants to do is use a lot of tempo, and they used a lot of tempo on that first drive, and they were able to smoothly go down the, you know, go down the field and score. Um, and the only time you really saw that tempo was that, you know, field goal uh, was that, you know, late late in the game where it was already basically over at that point and then the turnover happened and, you know, the, the game was over. So, um, or, or there was the fourth down stop. So they never got them in tempo. I always felt like Middle Tennessee was a better example uh, because I think Middle Tennessee can probably exploit more of Liberty's weakness on defense than what Jacksonville State is because... Uh, you know, uh, Sam Houston was able to throw the ball pretty effectively until the end against Louisville, or Louisville against Liberty. Um, so, uh, you know, and that's what Middle Tennessee wants to do. But Middle Tennessee will turn the ball over a lot. So, and Liberty will take advantage of that. So, Liberty won the turnover battle. They won the time of possession. They're going to win. It, 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 it's going to set up for a, as long as, so... Liberty, as we go deeper into this, Liberty has a matchup with Middle. Middle, and on Tuesday. On Tuesday. By the way, tickets for that two tickets for twenty two twenty two at insane yep. And <coughs> excuse me there, and uh, ten seventeen. What's that? Uh, Tuesday as well. Western takes on Jacksonville State, and the two losses for the Hilltoppers this year were to Ohio State and Troy, both really good teams. It's shaping up to be a who's going to get the home field for the U for the CUSA championship game, uh, the winner of this game in in Bowling Green. I I, I just I, I have no faith in the rest of it. I if Liberty gets past Western, I would not be shocked if they're an undefeated team going to the Conference USA championship game. Unfortunately for them, because Conference USA is probably the worst group of five conference it's either them or the mag i don't know if they'll get that automatic pull like uh group uh new year six bit if i if tulane wins out i think it'll still go to tulane because their only loss would be old miss heck if air force wins out and goes undefeated that too there's a possibility of that happening right now but but they'll be in the conversation correct they will and that's what matters most right now for Liberty is they get into that conversation. Um, you know, I don't think the schedule. JMU should be if the NCAA wasn't dumb. I mean, JMU should be a front runner, but the NCAA is stupid and ridiculous. And now they've handled this and other things, which is what we get to touch on right now in the Fast Five at Five ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Example number 7,373. The NCAA is stupid and ridiculous and how they've handled certain situations. Kansas and Bill Self's penalties have been delivered for their NCAA violations. No postseason ban for a Blue Blood college basketball program. No added penalties to Bill Self or his assistant, Curtis Townsend, uh, for the violations that came toward that basketball program in terms of how they could potentially have procured players pre 
NIL. Never mind that you know, certain players like Mason Smith at LSU, he got suspended for the autograph session for which he accepted money a couple of weeks before NIL was regulated. That's a player we can go after him, but a big brand in men's basketball? Oh, no, 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 no. We can't do that. There's no way we're going to do that. No, we would never do that. That's how the NCAA operates. Here's even more context on the absurdity of it. According to Stadium.com's Jeff Goodman, here's a great note on this. Bill Self started this process with Kansas as their program being charged, meaning there was enough evidence to place charges. This is not legal court evidence. This is the NCAA's kangaroo court. But enough violations for five level one violations charges, according to the NCAA's rules. Here's how it ended. Not five, but one violation. And not one, which is the NCAA's definition of a felony. Level two would be a misdemeanor and level three would be like a citation. They get one level three violation from five felonies in the NCAA's eyes to one citation on the same violations. And you wonder why people like us mock these Let's just preserve our power, and we really don't want to do anything on any grounds of logic NCAA. They set themselves up to be decried and mocked with things like this, among many other problems, as we just touched in example number 7373. Number four. Steelers star pass rusher TJ Watt suffered a badly dislocated finger and tore multiple ligaments during Sunday's victory over the Baltimore Ravens, according to Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Here's what's nuts. Watt popped the dislocated finger back in, that's not uncommon for players, and played through the multiple ligament tears in his body in that victory. Um, It's not even going to keep him out after this coming week's bye week. Look, players play through this all the time. Lane Johnson, the stud left tower, right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, played with a... uh, Horn adductor last year, a core muscle injury for him. So dog. These things happen. TJ Watt, also dog for how well he performed for the Steelers in this. Um, does it lend concern about his, how he's going to perform over the course of the season? Sure. Is it justified? And yes, when people get the chance to cash in with so many dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Like TJ Watt has and like Lane Johnson has, you'll play through those injuries. You take the pain in exchange for the, the in exchange for the dollar, dollar bills, y'all. But it also speaks to the fact that there is a level of toughness that people often get concerned or misconstrued with these types of athletes and performers and it's worth at least acknowledging that. Number three. Spire Motorsports. Announcing that Carson Hosevar has signed a multi-year contract to replace Ty Dillon in the number 77 full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series starting in 2024. Look, I don't know how things are going to work for Carson Hosevar, who's done pretty well in the Truck Series, but I I will use this logic. With all due respect to Ty Dillon, who seems like a nice guy, he's had many years in different caliber equipment and has never once shown he could elevate the team he's been with, whether that's been with Richard Childress Racing. The other car other. gets elevated, though. Yes, well, other car has often gotten elevated, but Ty Dillon has not done much. Um, people love to get on figures in NASCAR, retaining their job because of daddy's money or family money or ties and connections. 
And they put that in all the time. Never mind that Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, even during his latter years when he wasn't as great as his heyday, and he was never his dad, but, you know, he stuck around because of his ability to bring... Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. Casey Kane stuck around because of his ability to bring... Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. Danica Patrick stuck around because of her ability to bring... Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. And Ty Dillon also stuck around because of his ability to bring... Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. As our guy Kenny Powers likes to remind us. That's how motorsports works in a sport where they are moving billboards, but you get a chance to replace somebody at some point, you've got to show some level of results. And at no point has Ty Dillon ever really shown that. Speaking of dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Number two, the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell are reportedly nearing a contract extension. This according to Sports Business Journal. The deal has seemed close dating back to March and seemed like it could have gotten done back in May. Fans love to rip on Roger Goodell. He gets booed every year at the NFL Draft. Heck, he gets chastised when he's at the Commissioner's Forum during Super Bowl week with the media availability they have then. But the truth of the matter is, he gets as much dollar, dollar bills, y'all. As he does because, well, we are not that dumb. Are you that dumb? No, we know exactly what drives the NFL owners. It's not ethics, it's not morals, it's the ability to help them maximize their dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And Roger Goodell, very gifted at that. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Duke quarterback Riley Leonard is day-to-day with an ankle injury that he suffered in the Notre Dame loss a couple of weeks ago. This is a remarkable, Trey. He's a guy that looked like he was so much more seriously injured when he went down in that loss to the Irish on that Saturday night that college game day was in Durham. But he's come back. He's playing through this. It's a huge boost for a Duke team where literally as Riley Leonard goes, their offense goes. And as much credit as Mike Elko has gotten for elevating that program, plenty more does need to go to a guy like... Riley Leonard because he has done such a great job elevating Duke and with him or without him depends on just how many wins they can accrue and what kind of bowl they wind up earning at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, this is this is huge in, in the ACC because Duke is still undefeated in the ACC and and is a contender there. Uh so we'll we'll see what happens with Duke. They have a big game you know, this, this weekend they take on NC State, uh, a good defense. Let's see if they figure out their offense. Um, obviously, uh, I think they could win that game without him because their defense is that good. Uh, but, you know, the, the real test will be three of their next four games when they go at Florida State, at Louisville, they're home against Wake, and then at North Carolina. That really is going to determine if they have any shot at winning the conference this year. My guess is you would need 100% Riley Leonard for those three games, and I don't think they'll get 100% Riley Leonard. My guess is he doesn't play against NC State because it is a high ankle sprain, but we'll see if they bring him back for Florida State, which could be a big game. Uh, No doubt. For Duke, it well, is. Well, it is a big game. It's it a big game. It's two of the five best teams in the conference going head-to-head. It is, and for Duke, a lot of this, I think, ultimately determines of, you know, what kind of bowl game they reach, and, you know, if they get to seven to eight wins, it still is deemed a really good year for Duke, especially given how things started, and uh, unlike some programs where so much success is expected, for Duke, it's much more mitigated, the expectations, so getting to a bowl with an injury at quarterback for a program like Duke is still considered a very good year. Ed, uh, uh, this brings up the perfect point for my big overreaction from last week or from Saturday, which I did tweet at Trey Um 
I think North Carolina is the best team in the ACC. Trey, we might be getting to some more of that in our votes of confidence on Friday. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, it is time for us to really dissect what coaches in Blacksburg and Charlottesville have said and meant. They've spoken. We have not done nearly enough to delve into, well, somewhat an uninspiring 27-13 UVA win over William & Mary or Virginia Tech's loss at Florida State, where they held close after spotting the Knolls a 22-point lead in the first quarter. So we will get into that when we return here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. 